the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 2. I want to thank Congressman David Schweikert. He represents Arizona's 1st Congressional uh, District here for joining us, as he does most Wednesdays. David, thanks for being with us. Busy week, huh? Do I have you there, buddy? Yes, yes. Mute. Double check. Well, you're glad there we you're go. not There we go. Let's man. start over. There we go. We oh, missed yeah. you. Hit Our the bad. on button. There we go. We got you now. <laughs> All I was saying oh. was, busy week. You're working much these days? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It just, and it's lunacy type work. It's not productive work. It's racing from meeting to meeting to meeting to hear people whine. Um, and I'm very happy I'm not a drinking man because <laughs> now would be the moment to take <laughs> yeah, it up. I was gonna say, yeah, I, yeah. Well, let's do a couple of things here. I want to turn to a piece of legislation you introduced in a moment. Before I do, update on the speaker's race. Uh, are we on the way to having a speaker? Do we have a new speaker? What's the latest? Um, if you'd asked me four or five hours ago, I thought we were moving quickly to just get this over with. Yeah. Um, as of an hour ago, um, working with a couple of folks, we now have more people. So remember, we had eight people blow us up last week. Right. Now we have 11 folks. It's a little different mix of folks now because here's what's happened. Um, any four or five have figured out um, they can raise money on this. They can self-deal. They can negotiate and hold their vote. Mm-hmm. So. Um, as of about an hour ago, we looked like we have 11 folks now holding their vote back. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, what we need here to do, I suppose, right, is we need to get the entire conference on the same page so that we can take it to a vote with the thinnest of, minor- of majorities that we have so that we can get going here. We can't afford five or 11 dissents, right? Look, look. Um, as you know, Jim Jordan is, is my friend. Yeah, sure. Um, he, he's been my buddy for years. I think actually years ago we tried putting him on the station. Um, and even he and I were just talking, saying, look, he's, go- he's going to do the nomination speech for Steve Scalise, okay. you know, begging everyone, yeah. get your act together. We've got to get back to work. Yeah. Um, but the motives now are just sort of screwed up. You know, we have some people who are raising all sorts of money on what happened last week online. Um, we have some people now are sort of negotiating, saying, hey, I want a different committee chairmanship or a different committee this. I mean, there's all sorts of different motivations going on. And that concept of unity, of you know, the, the world is potentially at war. Yeah, yeah. Um, the debt is continuing to grow at $6.5 billion a day. Yeah. You know, we have to finish our appropriations bills. There's so much work that has to be done. And I have a handful and a half of folks who are self-dealing. Yeah, yeah, self-interested, not interested for the public. Well, let's talk about the other major 
crisis, and you did introduce legislation today. Talk to us about this redirecting frozen Iranian assets, sir. Well, part of this concept comes from um, in, during the first Gulf War, there were substantial um, Saddam Hussein assets that were hold, held in banks around the world. They were captured, and actually, we, the United States, were able to capture those monies and pay ourselves back for that war, for you know, um, you know, freeing the neighbor state. Um, we did the same thing to the 9-11 terrorists. Oh, this so was people, the uh, uh, Kuwait liberation, right. Okay, I'm yes. with you. I'm with you. And okay. people also forget that a number of the 9-11 terrorists came from very wealthy families. Yeah, right. And we captured some money there and put it into the fund to pay back some of the families. Um, so there is a mechanism for this. And we've actually been diving into this as even um, a way to pay the United States or pay um, uh, you know, pay, pay ourselves back or pay even Ukraine um, for the damage that the, the Russian military has done. So we already had been doing the research on this mechanism. So we had the language ready to go. So we put it together today for Israel, mm-hmm. saying, let's capture some of these Iranian assets. Whether Iran was involved in the actual planning of this, they sure are cheerleading along. They're providing the weapons. They're providing technical support. They're providing all sorts of really nasty stuff to both Hezbollah and Hamas uh, on both ends of Israel right now. And it's just a simple saying, look, there's these monies in these accounts. They've been frozen. Um, let's give them to Israel to actually pay for um, what Israel needs to take care of. I would suspect this would pass mostly uh, in the conference that you sit in, the Republican conference. Do you think it'll get Democratic Party support as well? Um, I believe most Democrats will most, support yeah. this, but it has been shocking right, that's where I'm taking to that. me the number of Democrats who um, will run away from a microphone, run away from the question saying, how do you feel about the beheading of infants? Yeah. And it shows you just their darkness, the, the, the hate, the, the, the evil they feel for the free world. You know, because let's face it, Israel is the only functioning democratic republic in the region. And for some reason, the anti-Semitism that runs through that part of the left is just stunning. The flag under which that congresswoman has outside of her office is the flag under which over 20 Americans were just killed. That is to say, Americans in the House of Representatives she's supposed to serve. This is a very, very odd thing, David, is it not? Oh, yeah. Well, Bernie Sanders apparently a little while ago yeah. just gave a tirade yeah. speech uh, attacking Israel. Yeah. Um, and, and I hope, actually, if you have any Democrat listeners— Understand, um, look, we're having to work through our, pers- our battles on the Republican side. But what many of the activist Democrats are doing, whether it be on the college campuses, whether it be the, the, the Code Pinks, the other liberal activist groups, they're, they're bordering on just evil anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. And you've got you, you to gotta face your problem and step up and admit it. And to some of the Democrats' credit, I will give you, you know, when you see the, you know, um, former president of Harvard and some of these other... Larry Summers, yeah, right. Yeah, I I was actually very proud to see what Larry Summers 
said is this is just immoral what these universities are allowing to take place. And this gives you a sense of just how fringe um, the left has become. Yeah, I want to come to the fringeness of it in just a moment. Take this compliment and then take it as a question as well. Because I wanted to thank you. Uh, I had someone um, call me today who knows that you're regularly on my show. And this person said, when you have David on today, are you having him on? I said, I think so. He said, when you have David on today, tell him um, thank you for his longstanding support for Israel. And I said, I will. But here's the way I want to put it to you, David. I'll convey that wish to you. I know you have a lot of people in your, in your district who thank you for that. It shouldn't be hard. That's the question I have. Why is it so hard and taking now seemingly a dollop of courage to stand for, as you say, democracy, decency, and pluralism, especially as over and against um, territories that are governed by Stygian darkness? I have no idea. Um, Look, I think there's a number of folks out there that live on the Internet, and they bathe in stuff coming from trolls, and they they're not honest with themselves. They don't understand what they're reading is being generated by computer bots or buildings full of Iranians who, you know, write in plain language and make things up and they bathe in it and they start to allow this to pollute their intellect. Um, we, you know, there's famous stories about the size of the Russian troll farms. Right. Um, look at, Look, I had a speech last week on the floor that now has like 600,000 views on YouTube, yeah. and the, there's a few thousand comments. I'd love to say those are people saying wonderful things about me, yeah. but more than half those comments are, are Russian trolls. We don't even they're know robots. if they're people. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're right. not even people. What happens in a world where people bathe in stuff that's absolutely fake? Yeah. yeah. And being someone who's been to Israel... Um, being someone who, I have to be honest, I went to Camp Har Zion as a kid over on, when it used to be on Lincoln. I mean, it's just, it's just part of our community. Yes, I know the Catholic kid went. But it was, That's it all was right. Close. I went to the it Unitarian Church for preschool. There you go. All yeah, right. We're even. Oh, we kept the world in Ikepos. Okay. All right. But, 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 look, if, Let if me take a break. Can, can you stay or do you have to run? No, I'm good. All right, I'll keep you for just a few moments uh, uh, over the commercial break, and then we'll come back. I'm Seth Leibson. He's David Schweikert. We're keeping the world in equipoise. Yeah, Unitarian Church, then Central Methodist for kindergarten. Two years. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. David Schweikert, uh, representing Arizona's 1st Congressional District, is our guest. Uh, David we were talking about uh, some of your colleagues and some of the fringe, especially when it comes to foreign policy. I'm going to have, a, I think, a mutual friend of ours on a little later, uh, John Shattuck. I'm going to ask him a question. Oh, yeah. John, and John is just freaky smart. He's so. really great. And I'll, I'm going to ask him a question. I'm going to ask you, too, which is, what is it about big elements now of the Democratic Party, large elements of the Democratic Party, that have for so many years been willing to not just appease, but side, literally side with enemies of the United States of America. We saw some of this in the 70s and 80s, whether it was the Soviet Union or Central America. 
Uh, we saw it in the early uh, 2000s in the global war on terror with this uh, rush to Syria and Assad and the Assad regime. Um, Iran now. What is this? Uh, look, I have a theory, but I, you know, I don't think like a leftist, so I'm not able to process it. But my operating theory is um, a true disdain for America. That's my theory. A true sort of disdain for a sort of free capitalist, um, free market, human rights sort of based system that has actually based in Judeo-Christian concepts. Mm -hmm. um, and for a lot on the hard left, um, they're much more comfortable with almost a weird sort of totalitarian um, yeah, it, it's one of the reasons liberals are so good at falling right in line and following whoever their leader is. Mm -hmm. um, so it's almost something it, they're just wired differently. Almost like a cadre I mean, from uh, from some kind of Leninist movement, if you will. Uh, yeah. very, very, very much so. Yeah. And, and actually, that's actually in some ways a brilliant example. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting. The least unique. The least free speaking or free minded people I meet are those on the hard left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, because individuality, they, they claim we support individuality as right. long as you meet conformity and you don't commit any thought crimes. By the way, I mean, those are, that's a very good point. But by the way, too, on that point, the regimes they support would have none of it. They would have none oh, of yeah. the domestic agenda these progressives proclaim to support. So, so, They'd be so, put in jail or death if they supported there what they support here. So what's the one commonality of the regimes um, or organizations or fringe groups they support? They hate America. Yeah. yeah. And so in a perverse, perverse way, for particularly the hard left, is as long as they're enemies of America, they're their friends. Even though the very lifestyles they advocate, they would be. Yeah. No, no, that's right. So I mean, it's, it's, it, it is a literal crime to do what they propose here. What they propose yep. here is a crime there. And yep. when we're talking about abortion rights or LGBTQ rights or any of their progressive female feminist rights uh, agenda, mm -hmm. uh, it is so odd. But it is true. I think you're right. And I think you have your finger on this. They buy into the anti-American narrative of our enemies. That's what it is, yep. isn't it? Yeah. It, well, I don't think they buy into their narrative. I think it is their personal narrative and they find reassurance that others also hate us. Okay. Okay. I'm with you now. I'm with you now. The um, the students are a different story altogether. You think it's the Internet. I, 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 was, I was just no, ashamed uh, to see what uh, was going on, not just at Harvard, but at ASU. Tomorrow, uh, I saw a flyer for, for ASU's Student Justice Palestine organization uh, tomorrow. It's not about justice, by the way, is it, over there? It's about vengeance, I think. But in any um, event... Look, um, I, I, I'm not a good – I've been a right-wing libertarian guy since I was in high school. I read Ayn Rand when I was like 14 years old, and, you know, boom, you know, I, I bought into the philosophy, and I've been there ever since. And, and I also grew up in a conservative family that still is. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm blessed. When we have a Thanksgiving meal, all of us are ideologically very similar. Yeah, I don't understand – Though the, these young people, particularly when I go speak at ASU about just the basic economics, right. it's their future is just devastatingly ugly yeah. with what's happening in the debt and the demographics and 
and these things, and yet they cheer on the very things that destroy their futures. So if you can explain that one to me, because I'm just um, befuddled. Well, I do think that they do, as you said, uh, with the adults who appease and support enemy regimes because they buy into the anti-Americanism. Yeah. I think I think the younger generation buys into Marxism. And Marxism is a very strong doctrine, and it's not opposed by any competing doctrine at the well, secondary and collegiate levels anymore. It's just oh, look, not. One of the first questions I often ask when I'm speaking to a university group is, okay, how many of you had a conservative elementary school teacher? How many of you had a conservative high school teacher? How many of you know of a conservative professor you have? And almost no hands go up. That's right. And then you say, and then so each of you think is a liberal, and you think you're a unique thinker. Yeah. <laughs> you, you are just, you're, you're, a conf- you're a cog in the wheel. You are just like, and they get very upset because no one's ever challenged them that everything that has surrounded them have been collectivists. Yeah. Yeah, a herd of independent minds, if you will. And uh, <laughs> no, no, I it, hope it, everyone it, was listening. That is a great joke. Well, yes, right. And 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 the issue is kind of the the problem with diversity in and of itself, because everyone you know speaks exquisitely of these terms of essential meaninglessness. Diversity for what? Right? Yeah. Diversity for what? Are we putting on evil moral planes the Look, butcherers of children and? The government that you know offers more rights to more minorities well, is, than any in the Middle East. Are we really doing that? We are. Okay, I, I'll take you a slightly different way. Um, diversity is being an American. When you know um, you you walk in the door and in your refrigerator is Chinese food and Indian food and this and that, and your your neighbors are a combination of all sorts of things. You, you work with people that are all very different and different accents and this and that. We are the ultimate experience of diversity working in the world. Mm-hmm. And yet it's all around you. Uh, I went to the state fair last week because my little kids love seeing, you know, the killer goats in the petting zoo. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I get and it. Look, and you look around and going, this is America. Yeah. Everyone looks different. Isn't this wonderful? And And yet... Um, and somehow the left doesn't actually see it works here. I just wish you liked country music, David. There's this great Brad Paisley song called uh. American Saturday Night. It opens up with the lyric, she's got Brazilian leather boots on the pedal of her German car listening to the Beatles sing back in the USSR. It's a French <laughs> kiss, Italian ice, and Spanish moss in the moonlight. Just another American Saturday Night. Yeah, Maybe I'm glad you memorized like that. Sounds yeah. like a wonderful line. Look, <laughs> growing up, growing up with country music blaring all around me because I, you know, yeah. I grew up here in town. Yeah, um, I, I find I can't read. That, that's your version of okay. I get it. All right, you're thinking. God bless you, David. Go get him. Okay. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brett Johnson, he is a partner at the law firm of Snell & Wilmer, SWLaw.com. They're based here locally, offices around the country. He's also our constitutional and otherwise legal scholar for the show. He visits with us once a week to walk us through the complexities of everything from con and election law to international law. Brett, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being with us today. Paul, oh, thanks for having me. 
It's going to get complex, this uh, issue of international law, laws of war. Um, It always does whenever Israel's involved, and it's going to get uh, some perversions, too. Um, What are the laws of war we need to be generally cognizant of when it comes to the kind of fighting we're seeing right now, particularly between uh, Hamas and and, uh, Israel? Yeah, and, and it does get complex, and I think a lot of people get things convoluted for sure. Um, because technically, um, the Gaza and the Palestinian Authority, they're, they're not a nation. Um, they, they don't have, they don't have official membership at the United Nations. And so this is really considered, considered, um, an intra, um, war, but basically almost like a civil war within a country, mm-hmm. yeah, or, or a, a space. Mm-hmm. Now, it gets, it, the, the overall though, let's, let's make sure, and we all kind of remember Yugoslavia, we remember Rwanda. Yep. Um, the, the larger international law, humanitarian law, as we call it, which is different than the laws of war, will always govern how, um, how warfare is acted, whether it's internally or externally. So the, the Geneva Conventions is basically the baseline for that, is basically how to, how to conduct warfare. Um, and, and as we, we saw over the weekend, um, one side just completely ignored the law, didn't even have any, any sensibilities towards it. And then you have the Israelis on the other side who are working their best to comply with the laws of war. Within a, and people have to understand it's, it's, a, it's a very dense population along that strip of land. And so it gets very complicated about the laws of war within that context. There's so much in what you just said, uh, and we'll I know. Come, yeah, no, I mean, even that could be three hours of radio, and we'll we'll, we'll circle back to it. But let's uh, in a moment. Let me let me ask you this: When it comes to the laws of war, I learned the old Latin. There's jus in bellum and just jus in bello and just ad bellum. The the rights in going to war and the rights in the laws once you're in a war. Um, right, right. Uh, I suppose. The first question, rights of going to war, have been clearly established and answered, uh, at least on on Israel's behalf at this point. There's no question there is a declaration of formal war, although with a non-state actor, it's odd, too, isn't it? Yes, and that's right. So whether or not you consider them separate actors or you consider this uh, between a government and a non-state actor, which is what Hamas is, not the not a governmental authority, uh, either or it's justified because of the right of self-defense, right. which is the ultimate uh, rule of international law is that every country has the right to um, self-defense. And, and we see it in context and bringing people back a little while to, to ISIS. ISIS was operating in both Iraq and um, in, in uh, Syria. It declared itself a caliphate. But um, nobody recognized their control over that land. And so these, these issues have been addressed, especially since 9-11. If I, what you do with non-state actors, al-Qaeda was a non-state actor. Hezbollah is a non-state actor, although they have a few positions in, in, um, in, in uh, Lebanon. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to take that into context. And, 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 and as some of the commentators have referenced over the last few days, for sure, the laws of war have had to... Um, basically modify or evolve to address those non-state actors. Right. Um, and, and that's what we're seeing right now. Right. And now this may get us into the perversions. You can stay another segment, right? Because I'll pose the question, sure. and it's it's probably a long one to unwind. Maybe it isn't not the way your mind works, but uh, you, you can you can make this stuff uh, fairly apprehensible to, an, to, to the audience. But this is where I think, if you'll permit the editorial comment, 
some of the perversions will come in because there will be justifications for there will be attempted or efforted legal justifications uh, made uh, for the onslaught against Israel uh, for any number of bills of indictments that have been waged against it, whether at the United Nations or whether elsewhere. And I wonder if you might address that on the other side of the break, the justifications for going to war, not Israel against Hamas, but Hamas or non-state actors or state actors against Israel. Brett, could you kind of help us understand that one when we come back a little bit? Yeah. Definitely. Brett Johnson is our guest, partner at Snell and Wilmer, SWLaw.com. I have him on. People ask me, do they sponsor the show? No, no, they're just great lawyers, and Brett's the smartest there is. We love having him on. He helps understand these things, helps us understand these things. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Brett Johnson is my guest, partner at the law firm of Snell and Wilmer, helps us understand complex legal issues. Brett, in talking laws of war, you will hear from certain precincts. They tend to be mostly on our college campuses, unfortunately, these days. But you will hear from certain precincts in the right of going to war that Hamas, uh, or for that matter, any other non-state actor, perhaps Hezbollah, or perhaps another state actor, maybe Syria, uh, would have a, maybe Iran, would have a right in going to war against Israel because of what they allege Israel has done over the past X many years. And I wonder if you might address yourself to the right of those institutions to go to war, be they non-act state or states or states. Sure. So so the root under international law is the right to self-defense, which is immediate. And obviously that's that's um, within the eye of the beholder because it might not not might be tomorrow or it might be when the first missile attack, but it might be a month from now. It might after 9-11 took a while for the United States to uh, to go into Afghanistan. So the, the right of self-defense is, is basically still in that immediacy of basically proportionally responding to that. Mm-hmm. Since, since uh, Hamas is a non-state actor, Iran or Syria, and there has been no attack on, by Israel on Syria or Iran or necessarily their interests within their countries, right. then the, the argument that those two countries, for example, or any other country could take advantage of the situation. And that's what President Biden was saying the other day. There, there is no right to take advantage of this situation. Mm-hmm. So those countries would not. Now, of course, they could kind of develop or try to argue some sort of uh, pretense to, to do it. You saw President Putin do the same thing when he invaded Ukraine, came up with a pretense for self-defense to try to justify it under international law. But even even the Israelis have been very clear that this is not an international war in the or a cross border war, even in their declaration of war. And I want to make sure people understand that that that's not like a declaration of war like we did against Germany and Japan. That was a declaration of war as a domestic exercise, a legal exercise to be able to call up troops and dedicate resources, take resources and apply them um, to basically address this emergency, this war, this war that was occurring. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately. Unfortunately, people convolute the concept of war as we've known it for you know hundreds of years, and what we're dealing with right now with uh, non-state actors. When um, thank you. When we think about, as you just mentioned, World War II, a lot of people will see aerial raids, and uh, as Israel is engaging in, and I guess they're going to have ground troops going in too. Most likely, uh, I, I don't have any 
knowledge other than what you and I read in the news and hear from the press conferences. <clears throat> we think about, and you raised World War II, you think about massive aerial bombings, places like Dresden or Tokyo, even before we talk about Hiroshima or Nagasaki. Uh, how is it that the United States would stay out of the nettles of being indicted for war crimes in those kinds of cases whereas Israel might be caught up in it if they were to attempt such here. Have the laws of war yeah. changed since then, or is so, it a different animal? No, the laws of the war are the same. But there has to be a military purpose that uh -huh. can be articulated. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So now, it, it's unfortunate, but there is uh, you know, um, collateral damage no matter in, in any war. It, uh -huh. It's just a, a fact of warfare, right? right? right. Warfare is just politics by another means. Yeah. So by, by doing that, you're going to have collateral. But if you're not able to show what the military purpose is, then that would most likely be uh, um, uh, a violation of the law of war, mm -hmm. right, and, mm -hmm. and, lead, and possibly lead to, to sanctions down the line. Mm -hmm. So the International Criminal Court is trying to get its hands in the middle of this. That's based out of Rome. The United States is not a member. Mm -hmm. China is not a member. Mm -hmm. Russia is not a member. Is Israel's not a member. Mm -hmm. The Palestinian Authority, as a non-member state, has tried to join the ICC prosecutor, thinks that they have jurisdiction, and they've tried to review things. But interesting enough, if there's going to be violations of the law of war as we know it for the last five days, it's clearly on Hamas. Uh -huh. The videos, I mean, the, the evidence is just clearly there. Because there's one thing, if, if you and I are, or if there are two combatants and the combatants shoot each other and they're holding a gun, they're, they're in some sort of regular, irregular force, that's not going to be a violation of the law of war. That's war. Mm -hmm. But when you go and you murder civilians, that is a clear violation of every single um, Geneva Convention, even the treaties that existed before the Geneva Convention. You can't take hostages. You cannot have co what's called collective punishment, which mm -hmm. is bringing everybody together. Uh, Holocaust being an example mm -hmm. where you're punishing people. So and indiscriminate acts of violence are, are completely off off the table. So you're going to see the uh, nonprofit, non-governmental organizations, as they're called, reviewing this constantly, but you have to put it into context of what they're actually reviewing. And again, the, the quote-unquote violations of law of war is going to be taken out of context yeah. by, by many sides. Well, that's right. And that, that, that's the last point I wanted to, that last point you made is something I wanted to ask you about as well. Um, because again, the words uh, the word I come to is these things can get perverted. Do we have trust in the authorities who are there to enforce and sanction violations of war crimes? Do we have confidence that they have the right understanding as you laid it out? Um, the, the answer is no. I mean, the United States doesn't have any, any uh, trust in that. Now, when the an international community comes together and does create specific international tribunals that everybody's signed on for, Yugoslavia, Rwanda, there's trust in, in those because there's such buy-in. And quite honestly, you get the best legal minds in the world who are trying to address these issues. But right now, we don't have it. The only trust we really have is, is the documentation and the history because one way or the other, especially what we saw over the weekend, one way or the other, there's going to be a reckoning on right, that. Right, right. With a certain lack of trust, by the way, uh, by a perhaps potential indictee, whether it's a member of the United States or whether it's the United States or a member of Israel or whether it's Israel, uh, can they can they refuse to submit? I mean, can they ref will they have a right of, of any kind of appeal uh, if they are ever indicted for violations of war when they do not simply do not trust the indictment or the moral perspective of it? 
They, they, they do, both under the Israeli system as well as if it ever does get into an international criminal court scenario, they would have the right of appeal. Now, keep in mind, when you're watching television and you see the Mexican government and the United States government and they're declaring how many of their citizens have been killed through this by Hamas, right. those countries have jurisdiction too. So, and yeah, I don't know about this administration, but the United States has a long, it, it waits a long time, but yeah. it'll bring people to justice. Well, former U.N. Ambassador Daniel Patrick Moynihan put it simply, but probably put it best when he said the world is a dangerous place. Quite simply, the world is a dangerous place. And he meant not just the people on the ground. He meant the uh, the the officials who administer the, the courts of justice and the courts of uh, diplomacy as well. Brett Johnson, Snell and Wilmer, thank you as always, sir. Stay close. I have a feeling we're going to need you more on this. Absolutely. Thank you, Seth. Thank you. You betcha. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-5080-960. We'll be right back. Portions of the show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They have a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises, where you can turn your monthly income on or off, where you can compound it. Whatever you like, and no loss of penalty if you need your money back at any time. It's an investment in a portfolio not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. Should you be concerned about stock market volatility or a possible recession or bank failures, your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi. And Wi-Fi is a due diligence approved firm where you can earn up to a 10 and a quarter percent rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or 888-YREFI24. That's 888 888- why refi 24 young david you wanted to say something about how close so much of this rings with us yes certainly uh friends consider rabbi alush who's with us most friday evenings at 5 p.m is uh actually singularly affected by this his son is serving in the israeli defense force right now and in an update that we have today his son, Israel Mordecai Haim, we are finding out, is actually serving on the front lines in a very prestigious position. He is a paratrooper, oh, wow. which, uh, as you might imagine, increases the dangers. Yeah. So he is encouraging people to get involved. He posted today, uh, it looks like they're having a community-wide service this Friday evening. Huh. I'm sure that is open to both Jew and Gentile. Oh, I'm sure it always is over there, no matter what. It hits close to home. A uh, family I grew up next door to, a um, uh, woman's son, uh, is over in Israel, and he posted this on Twitter. His name is Sergeant Haviv Tayar. He arrived together with his deputy commander of Unit 80, another commander from a lot, and three other soldiers to Kibbutz Sofeh Saturday morning as a battle was taking place at the Sofeh outpost. Uh, Haviv, his commanders, and the three other fighters were alone at the kibbutz with only light weapons among them for several hours, and they managed to fight and hold off the terrorists at the kibbutz. Haviv and the others fought against dozens of terrorists and succeeded in fending them off until additional reinforcements came from the Eilat Battalion. That was written uh, by that sergeant whose mother grew up across the street from me. It's pretty close. 
We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 